This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Well, it's Black Friday, and years ago, you used to hear about people lining up at the stroke of midnight to get in line at a big box store at Best Buy or Walmart or Target, whatever the case may be. These days, first of all, it seems like a lot of these big box stores are rapidly going out of business. Also, it doesn't seem like there's much of a need to go out and deal with the hordes of people on Black Friday, unless I'm missing something, it seems like they make the same deals available online without having to wait in these crazy lines and battle with these hordes of people and get trampled that they uh, that they do in the stores. So I don't think as a shopping holiday, Black Friday is really that big of a deal. And uh, some of you may know this, many of you may not. The reason they call it Black Friday, as I understand it, unless this is one of those things that everybody thinks is true but is actually not. The reason they call it Black Friday is because historically this was the day that stores would see their profits go from the red to the black. This is the day when they broke even, generally. So it has nothing to do with the ominous nature of all these people shopping. But... um I don't think it's that big of a deal anymore, and unless I'm missing something, give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. What I do think is interesting is that uh, there's going to be a Black Friday football game today. I don't remember that happening years ago. I remember, you know, Thanksgiving obviously being a big football holiday, and then on the weekend you would, you know, you'd have your Saturday college games. You have, and for a while there was Saturday night football, but um, and then obviously you have your Sunday games. But Amazon, who is counting on making a lot of money this weekend, they are flexing their muscles against big box store competition with their first ever Black Friday NFL game. So they're betting on consumers shopping while watching the game. So the more people are at home, the more likely they'll be to shop the company's Black Friday deals instead of brick and mortar retails, uh, retailers. So Black Friday is what they call the big box Super Bowl. So it's going to be very interesting what they're doing with the Jets Dolphins game today, this afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, because to increase viewership, they are making the game available for free for non-Prime members. You do need an Amazon account, but they're making it available for free. That's a lot different from what they do on Thursday Night Football, which is also broadcast by Amazon, but requires viewers to subscribe to Amazon Prime. Let me tell you what's coming up. You know, uh, we celebrated Thanksgiving at uh, my mother-in-law's had a great time. Got to see seven of my eight siblings-in-law. And uh, my brother-in-law, Daniel, said to me, you know what you should do, Frank? You should do a whole segment about real estate. Now, of all the things to pick, he said real estate. I said, you know what? You're right. And I'm going to be joined by Suzanne Miller 
in the uh, second hour of our program. So I had already booked her, so it was fortuitous that he suggested that. But uh, she's going to join us in about 20 minutes. She does this great podcast all about real estate, but it's really about a lot more. She just had um, Governor Cuomo on her podcast. She had um, Mayor Adams, Governor Pataki, uh, Curtis Slewa. So she covers a lot more than just real estate. But a lot of I have a lot of questions about what the new court decision that I was talking about recently means for future home buyers and what it means for you know, what it means for, um, you know, the people that work as real estate brokers. A little bit later, we're going to talk with a gentleman who is a comedian and an actor and a writer by the name of Roger Cabler, who is channeling Robin Williams in the film and stage show Being Robin. The man is an obsessive Robin Williams fan, and he has made a stage show about it, and it's performing. It's, uh, it's going off this weekend. We're going to talk to him about Robin Williams and um, a whole lot more. Uh, in our last hour of the show, we'll talk movies and the Middle East with Debbie Schlussel. And uh, you just never know what Debbie Schlussel is going to say. That should certainly be interesting. But this is a real treat. It's um, quite a family reunion here in the lobby in the hotel that we're staying in in, ho- in parts unknown. I am uh, joined now by the eldest of my siblings-in-law, Josh O'Brien, who's been a guest on this show before, but has been doing this podcast that's available on both the YouTube and on Rumble called Learn, Think, Build. And uh, it's really started to take off. I've really been intrigued by some of the topics they're doing. So when I saw Josh at Thanksgiving today, one, I didn't have anything planned for this particular segment, and I felt maybe, you know, I could just kind of bounce things off him for a little while. And uh, two, I was eager to have the opportunity to chat with him about it. Josh, it's good to see you. Thank you, Frank. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, how, was your, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, pretty good. Uh, mostly uh, terrific since you were there. Oh, All well, the, let's... The great, you know, everywhere. and uh, culture that you create. I'm still going to ask you uh, uh, difficult questions. Um, you know, I, when, I was, when I was in college, I had a very good professor by the name of uh, Bertel Ullman, who was a Marxist. But he wrote a book. It's still a very good book for college students. I don't think it's dated. It might be some somewhat with technology and everything. But the book was called How to Take an Exam and Remake the World. And the book was half basically Marxist propaganda and half practical tips for how students could do well in exams. But what he did was, very clever on his part, he didn't want students just reading the part on how to do well on exams. He wanted you to have to go through all the communist parts of the book as well and so he didn't change the font and just intermingled it right in the book so you have to read the whole thing to get any of the benefits i'm going to do something similar with you in that i have a lot of questions for you about world events but i also have a lot of questions about you personally which is perhaps even a bigger mystery than some of the conspiracy theories that we've explored on uh, on this program before we get started, tell folks about this Learn, Think, Build uh, podcast that you do. What, what do you do other than the obvious, which would presumably include learning, thinking, and building? Well, Frank, uh, the podcast is going to be evolving over time. <clears throat> Excuse me. The way it started out uh, a few years ago was uh, we had gone through some weird world events, COVID and uh, odd political shakeups, and uh, a different world than there were, uh, was for decades before that. So um, I like to study odd things and try to understand how things work, how the world works, and um, some of the more um, difficult parts of life to interpret. So I thought, 
these are the things I study anyway. These are questions I like to find answers to. Let me put some of this content out on uh, YouTube in a podcast form and see if I can uh, help shed some light on some topics, such as why our political system is so weird lately and uh, what's up with COVID and all those goings on. It's funny when um, you were explaining, when I introduced you to Mayor Giuliani and you were explaining the concept behind the podcast uh, to him, he actually asked you, and I've never seen him do this with anybody before, he asked you if he could come on. He said he wanted to come on. You haven't had him on yet, though. How come? You're afraid to get banned because he's so controversial? I'm waiting for the right time. All right, fair enough. It's all about timing. Fair enough. By the way, if people have questions for uh, Josh O'Brien, you can give us a call, 800-848-9222. In addition to doing the Learn, Think, Build podcast, which is available on the YouTube and on Rumble, uh, he's also a personal trainer and a bit of an astrologer so we'll um if time permits we'll we'll try to flex all those muscles you mentioned the political system a lot of people focused on the presidential race right now give me your view of where the presidential stand uh, race stands now both in terms of uh, an analyst what you think is going to happen what you think is likely to happen and whatever rooting interest you might have what you'd like to see happen do you want my real answer, or do you yeah, want the PC yeah. answer? No, no, please. Uh, we, uh, we have a 20-second delay. We can bleep you out if you say anything right. that's going to get us The, get the real answer the is that uh, the people's champion won the 2016 election, and the people's champion, so to speak, won the 2020 election, and that election was stolen from him. So as we've seen with the polling, the uh, people of the U.S. are clearly making it uh, apparent that they are not interested in the current administration or any of the things going on uh, with that administration, and they would like to see the people's champ make another appearance and actually win this time. We're going to see if that actually happens, because the powers that be don't like to have outsiders come in and shake up their operations. So my fingers are crossed. uh, Well, I'm going to follow up on that in a second. But um, my son, your nephew Carmine, was born two years ago on Thanksgiving. Do you think his birthday is November 25th or is his birthday on Thanksgiving? His birthday is November 25th, but I was sitting at the dinner table on Thanksgiving waiting for the text message to tell me that your wife had given birth. And to me, that day, that day is tattooed in my mind. And, yet, and the kid is a Thanksgiving And baby. yet you and one of your many siblings are trying to erase that memory from history by celebrating on just a random calendar <laughs> date. Uh, when you've been on this show before, and certainly when we've communicated privately, you've been very, uh, to put it charitably, skeptical of the COVID vaccines, particularly the mRNA vaccines. Now that we've had a couple of years to see them rolled out, and we've seen how what's happened with COVID, what's happened with vaccines, how do you think, do you feel that your early reservations about the vaccine were unfounded, or do you feel that you've been proven right here? Well, not the gloat, uh, and not that I want to gloat anyway, because we're dealing with people's health, sure. we're dealing with the health of our country, the health of our institutions, our medical institutions. But unfortunately, all the reservations that a lot of people had early on have unfortunately panned out exactly as expected. Um, And the mainstream media won't tell you that. The government certainly is not going to tell you that. But if you look at nearly every uncontrolled source of information flow, and if you listen to a lot of the scientists, the medical professionals that have looked into this and are permitted to speak their voice, we find out that unfortunately... The vaccine uh, is not 
safe and, and even more concerning than it's not safe is that the fact therein is that that's been hidden from us and that's even more concerning. It makes us question um, what the viability of our uh, leaders, their honesty, and uh, really what their intentions are for our country are. You were um, the proud recipient of a commendation a couple of weeks ago when you got engaged to a woman that neither none of your siblings nor me have ever met, uh, Petia. Uh, do you think maybe you might have jumped the gun a little bit by not introducing her to, I don't know, anybody that you know before asking her to marry you? Well, if I had enough plane tickets to get all you guys outside of the country to where she lives... Uh, I would have done it, and we would have had a great time. But unfortunately, I didn't have the 10K to pony up. Went there by myself, being that um, she's international. And uh, you guys will get the first chance to meet her as uh, soon as she gets stateside. And uh, you, you guys will like her, I promise. Well, uh, w when we were in Mexico for your brother's destination wedding, you alluded to the fact that the two of you had agreed that you guys would never have a destination wedding if you got married. Are you guys sticking with that? Oh, absolutely. But wouldn't absolutely. it be a destination? I have standards. Wouldn't it be a destination for somebody with her living across an ocean and you living in the United States? Clearly, it's a destination wedding for someone. Well, being that one of us has to move, and she's been the one that agreed <laughs> to make that move, uh, she's going to do all of you guys a favor and get here without uh, forcing uh, dozens of people overseas. So it definitely sounds like, based on what you were saying earlier, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, my brother-in-law, Josh, who uh, you could check out, uh, the Learn, Think, Build podcast. Just search Josh O'Brien, Learn, Think, Build. I also just followed him on, uh, on Rumble. Uh, you could just uh, type Josh O'Brien LTB, and uh, he comes up on Rumble. Given the fact that it sounds like you were and are a Trump supporter, and you're so skeptical of the vaccines... How do you support a guy who not only through Operation Warp Speed spearheaded the development of these vaccines, but kept on uh, Dr. Fauci, who we now know lied to the public about masking, allowed this uh, lockdown to take place? How do you support that guy, given your view of his accomplishment or, or lack of accomplishment on the vaccine issue and keeping Fauci in place on COVID? Yeah, well, uh, there are no perfect leaders, and hindsight's twenty twenty. And um, but will it be twenty twenty four? We hope. We hope. Uh, as far as uh, supporting of the vaccine and and, and Fauci and um, issues like that, uh, again, nobody's perfect. There was no perfect executive, and um, when it comes to uh, who we want to select as our leader, we're looking at not just individual decisions, but the general approach. Um, the intentions um, and the desired outcomes that, let's say, these leaders we would like to select uh, have in mind. So when we're looking at decisions made in the past or even going forward, no one's going to be perfect, but we have to weigh decisions. We have to weigh this candidate versus that candidate and their general approach to being the executive and leadership of this country and where they would like this country to go. So I have no reservations about selecting someone that's made mistakes as long as their intentions are for the good of the country. So in Trump's case, you not only have the vaccine, which you know you take issue with, but you have his appointment of John Bolton as national security advisor. Um, you have uh, Steve Mnuchin as treasury secretary. You have Jeff Sessions as the attorney general and Rod Rosenstein 
as deputy attorney general. You have basically a who's who of neocons, with the exception of Stephen Miller and Steve Bannon, who was briefly part of the administration, running running the government. What did he do to give you an indication that he would do anything right? Well, if we're looking at uh, people that he kept on in the administration, um, I think it's pretty clear, I'll, I'll use that term, that his hand, he was not completely free to choose anybody that he would want for any job, including the necessity to actually fire people, right? And as we saw through the four years of the administration, when he was uh, contemplating firing someone, replacing them, the media was... I'm going to say up in arms about uh, uh, with the accusations of him being a dictator, him being um, an authoritarian and the optics of just cutting everybody out as soon as he thought that this person was not on board with his approach to uh, to running the country. That would have been very, very difficult. I mean, look at what the media and the rest of the mm. government tried to do with him anyway. Right. Regardless. So um, I think that a second administration might see some changes along those lines. Perhaps uh, he would be more willing to make some changes in leadership. Um, um, but uh, again, we have to weigh our options. Um, the, the criteria with which we judge this candidate and that candidate have to be uh, equal. They have to be. Um, I, I see a lot of criticisms of uh, President Trump. And I think that when we're looking at the criticisms of him versus some other candidates, we have to remember to be proportionate, right? These criticisms need to be uh, not only relevant, but we need to keep in mind the consequences of decisions made by him and the consequences made by decisions of either the current president or potential candidates to be president. And uh, again, we need to weigh our options. It isn't Trump versus any potential wonderful candidate, it's Trump versus the current well, candidate. Right, but so you have a figure, Biden, obviously, or if Biden drops out, Newsom, presumably, but um, you know, Biden, Robert F. Kennedy, figure a Joe Manchin or someone like that on the no, ma uh, no labels ticket, Jill Stein and Cornell West. And so you feel comfortable in that scenario that Trump's the candidate for you. Yeah, because he's got the personality and I think the intention, uh, you can never be inside someone's head, but... I believe that he has shown over a prolonged period of time, several years now, we're talking about eight years, in which um, he's made it pretty clear his intentions and his methods when it comes to being the president. He already did that for mm -hmm. four years. So there's not a lot of mystery. And um, again, when I say personality, he knows how to get things done and he's not afraid to shake things up. And I think a lot of other candidates have not shown that yet, or in fact, they've shown that they're not willing to do that. Uh, against the uh, the momentum of the establishment, and he certainly is. You, um, you know, I've known you for I guess about uh, eight years now, maybe a little more. Um, my wife has known you her entire life. Don't you think it's absurd that neither of us have ever been to any of your residences? I mean, w what about inviting one of us over once? I could do that. That's not really my style. I I, I live more of like the dormitory lifestyle, uh -huh. right? Less so the, the grand host, more so this is my bed, this is my refrigerator, and I go out and do my things, 
But if you guys want to come by and uh, share a, a microwave meal with me, that's fine. I have a better shot of getting invited by Bob in Manorville, who listens to us on uh, <laughs> Talk Radio 107.1 FM on Long Island, I think, than, uh, than crossing the threshold of your apartment. So I'm hey, not going to hold listen, my breath I got on a, that one. My new place, beautiful. I'm right on the water. Gorgeous view. And, uh, if, and if, this, if this is a challenge... That I'm taking it. Yeah, I, I will. I have to take your word for it for the time being. All right, um, Suzanne Miller's coming up in just a bit, but um, and hopefully you'll stick around. Before we get to Suzanne Miller, though, I uh, want to ask you about what happened in uh, the Netherlands. I don't know if you're you're up on this, but parliamentary elections in the Netherlands, and the person or the the party that won the most votes was the Freedom Party, led by uh, Geert Wilders. Now, Geert Wilders is has been described. I don't necessarily go along with this description, but he's been described by the press as a far-right populist. He certainly views himself as populist and a right-wing uh, right guy. And uh, he, he, I think most people would characterize him as anti-Islamic. Uh, he has proposed in the past banning mosques. He has proposed in the past uh, banning the Quran. A lot of positions that f people think are at odds with civil liberties. It's interesting that we're seeing the rise of sort of center-right or right-wing populist parties and candidates all around the world. We saw this in Argentina with a self-described anarcho-capitalist, uh, Millet, who wants to switch to the dollar. We've seen this to some extent in Italy. These are countries that are all very different from one another, but they're all kind of dealing with the ramifications of globalism, of mass migration, thing like, things like that. My question for you is, do you see what's happening in the Netherlands and Argentina as being part of a, a worldwide trend? Or is this a situation where there were factors that were unique to the Netherlands? Uh, I think that you hit it on the head. Um, I think it's obvious that the people of the world... Uh, certainly in the Western world, the globalism and the globalist ideas have lost their luster, right? Um, I think their day has sort of come and gone. And I believe that the, the globalist agenda of, to be very broad about it, to break down country borders, to sort of homogenize uh, the people of the world, and to create sort of a, a centralized form of government throughout the world... I think that people have lost their taste for that. And um, that's due to not only theoretical things, but a lot of the disastrous consequences um, that that has led to. So I think it's been many, many years now, uh, probably over a decade, that people have become fed up and even disgusted uh, with the globalist agenda of merging everybody because that involves a lot of destruction, loss of, na loss of national identity, um, perhaps economic destruction, certainly um, issues with um, the merging of cultures that weren't really ready to be merged together. Uh, culture is there for a reason. It's something that we share. It gives us peace. It gives us harmony. It gives us comfort. Just like in my home, if I was to bring a, 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 a family in, there would be a bit of a settling process mm -hmm. where, where to merge, and that may not actually work out very well. Right, you've got three cats at home. You bring in two other cats. What happens? Sometimes there's a bit of a territorial issue. This is my home. Uh, you're not welcome here. Um, 
there are so many problems with the forcing of people to live together against their will. And I think a lot of that was um, not just innocent, but a lot of it was actually uh, a little bit sinister in the way it was done. And perhaps some of the intentions uh, by those that actually tried to facilitate this process. So I think the people of the world have spoken, and it's been obvious with, like you said, this trend we're seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, you were the latest person to arrive at your mom's for uh, Thanksgiving dinner yesterday. What's up with that? I mean, you have people coming from South Jersey. You have people coming from Staten Island. You're a stone's throw away. How could you get there so late? Uh, I got there at 2 p.m. What time did you get there? Uh, 12.30. 12.30. <laughs> I left at 7.30. I put my time in. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, if you want to stick around, please uh, feel free to do so. Josh O'Brien is here. 800-848-9222. If time permits uh, a little bit later, we'll hopefully get into astrology and a whole lot more. Uh, but we're going to talk real estate with Suzanne Miller in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, I know a lot of you at your Thanksgiving celebrations were looking for alternative conversations to the weather, alternative conversations to the traffic, and for the sake of sanity and harmony, a lot of alternative conversations to politics. And if there's one thing that could be maybe even more polarizing than politics these days, it might be the world of sports. So I don't know what it was like for you at your family table, but one of the things that was discussed far and wide around our family table was real estate. Hey, when are you going to buy a house? 
hey, uh, I can't afford to buy a house here. I'm going to look to Pennsylvania. I'm going to look to Tampa. Hey, what are we going to do about these interest rates? So I, I thought, why don't we reach out to the go-to real estate expert, someone that is not only the founder and president of Empire State Properties, which is a boutique real estate firm in New York, but somebody that has a terrific podcast, which deals not only with real estate issues, but uh, all sorts of issues, a podcast that I've become a big fan of. And it turns out, even on the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, she's taking a break from uh, waiting in line at Walmart to get trampled for uh, a flat screen television. Suzanne Miller was kind enough to join us on the radio. Suzanne Miller, founder and president of Empire State Properties and the host of the Miller Report podcast. Suzanne, it's great to talk to you. Thank you, Frank. What an introduction. And I really appreciate you listening to the Miller Report. No, no doubt about it. And uh, I've uh, really been impressed not only at the quality of guests that you've had, but the kind of interviews that you've that you've done with them, which we'll talk about in a, in a second. How was your Thanksgiving? What is uh, what does the Miller family do on Thanksgiving? The Miller family makes the rounds. You know, we have to keep everybody happy. I bring pies to each family member and I've done Westchester, Long Island and New York City. So I've been, like, I've, been I've been in the car a lot. I can imagine. What's your go-to pie? Are you pumpkin? Are you apple? Are you uh, mincemeat? Are you strawberry rhubarb? What's the pumpkin? What's the pie of choice? It's got to be a hot apple pie with some vanilla ice cream on top. Oh my goodness! I didn't think it would be possible, but you've already made me hungry. That sounds uh, sounds quite delicious. Uh, you've been very accomplished in the field of real estate for a long time. Now uh, you're doing this podcast, which everybody is talking about, and even folks that don't necessarily uh, make a habit of listening to podcasts, they've probably heard you on with John Katzmatidis on the Cats Roundtable and uh, several other radio shows. How does doing a podcast compare to your experience in the world of real estate? Does the things that you've been doing in real estate kind of prepare you for the world of podcasts at all, or is it a, a totally different animal? It's funny. I just finished with ladies for this Sunday's uh, roundtable, and that's one of the things we talked about. We talked about how the most important thing in all cities is obviously safety, but with safety comes real estate values, and that's what keeps the city humming. So if we don't have safety, people will not invest in real estate. They won't want to live in our cities. So I really think it's hand-in-hand hand, uh, safety and real estate. And that. so my real estate experience combined now with my experience by talking to these politicians that help make the law is making me an expert. And it's been a lot of fun and very, uh, very informative. One of the things, speaking of John Katzimatidis, he knows a thing or two about real estate himself. One of the things that he's been saying over the course of the last two years, both on the radio and to me privately, is that the uh, tickling up of these interest rates to, up until recently anyway, um, the highest that we've seen in many decades, was going to be devastating for the real estate market. I'm wondering if you can speak to that. W what effect have these uh, interest rate hikes had on real estate? I understand that the uh, the motive behind it was to break the back of inflation. Has that worked? And what has it meant for the real estate business? So the mortgage rates right now are around 7.5%. They came down from about 7.8%. And I think it's hovering around 75 It's down a half a point. I don't think that is really going to affect the market any more, more than it's mostly people want to feel confident. They want to feel safe. They want to feel like there is safety in what they're going to buy. And they want to be able to know that if they're going to invest in something, they need to know that there's going to be some consistency and some safety.
that to me is more the uncertainty is what drives the market down. That always drives the market down. That people are not sure. When I bought my first home, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. I talked about it on Fox News. It was probably 11 percent. So seven and a half percent is not that much. It's not going to make people make a decision to invest in this market or not. What will make the decision is if they feel like this market is, is going to be so unstable, they're going to lose all their value. So that to me is the biggest issue right now. We go back to safety. We go back to our streets. We go back to our political leaders that are leading us to what's going on. And real estate is right underneath that. If people just tuning in, uh, we're talking with Suzanne Miller. You can catch her regularly on the Miller Report. Just search that in any podcast app or just go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com and search the uh, the Miller Report. The Daily Mail had reported, uh, Suzanne, that um, sales of previously occupied homes fell to their slowest pace in more than 13 years last month. Is that a reflection of economic realities, people not having money to buy homes? Is it a reflection of some sort of a, a cultural shift or is it a reflection of the kind of thing that you're talking about, concerns about safety, or is it something else? So let's just be clear, Frank, when we talk about sales, there's a difference between z- sales prices and sales transactions. So a transaction would be how many deals are happening, how many sales are actually happening in a particular city. The transactions are down tremendously. I say I, I would say tremendously, 5%. They're down because if I have a mortgage of 3%, I'm not going to sell that to buy something that's going to cost me 7%. So the amount of listings, as we call them, are not really on the market as much as they have been. So the transactions are down. The sales prices in New York City they're down maybe 5%, 5 to 10%. But again, because people are holding on, they're not listing the properties. The transactions are down, but the actual price has not. In New York City, and I'll include Brooklyn, it's probably the average price for a one bedroom is still hovering around $825,000 for mm. purchase price. So again, the price has not really come down. It's come down about 4% in New York. But it's the transactions. It's the amount of trading that's going on that's down. Uh, understood. And I appreciate that clarification. And that's the, exactly the kind of reason that I uh, enjoy listening to the Miller Report, because you boil down uh, things that might be a little abstract and might be difficult for the layman to understand in easy to understand terms. One of the things I pride myself on is having a diverse social group in terms of age. I have friends that are uh, 90, literally, and friends that are uh, that are 20 and everyone in between. And what I've noticed is that there's a tremendous frustration with people under the age of 35. There is a feeling that unlike their parents' generation, where if you played by the rules, went to school, worked hard, saved a little bit of money, you'd be able to afford a home. There's a feeling among young people that you can't do that anymore. And more than one uh, you know, under 40-year-old has said to me on many an occasion, they feel that the American dream, which is typically uh, symbolized by home ownership, is no longer attainable for them. How do you feel about that, Suzanne? I'm sure you've looked at that and thought about that a great deal. Is the American dream of home ownership for a young family still attainable on a middle-class salary? I think when you compare the sales price versus a rental, it does make sense. I think that if you go, you have to put down 10 or 20%, so you have to scrape up about $80,000, and the price of a mortgage is going to cost you about the same price as a rental. 
An average rental price is probably about $4,000 a month. So we're not that off. But if you want to talk about the aging population, it's good for states like Florida or Arizona or the Carolinas, where there's no state income tax, only federal. So those states, for the aging population, the elder people seem to be going towards those areas. As a matter of fact, Florida is the only area that actually went up in sales price. It's up Mm -hmm. by about 5%. Where other states went down, Florida, because of the aging population, that value seemed to have gone up. One of the things that got a lot of attention recently is this uh, federal jury decision uh, about a month ago where the home sellers won $1.8 billion mm-hmm. after a jury found a conspiracy, essentially what they said was a conspiracy among realtors. The National Association of Realtors is uh, promising to appeal. A lot of sellers are hoping that this results in lower, you know, in, uh, you know, in a more fair deal among, uh, you know, people looking to sell their homes. A lot of people that are real estate brokers, full-time or part-time, are concerned about what this means for their livelihood. Set us straight on this, Suzanne. What does this $1.8 billion verdict actually mean for the consumer? What does it mean for real estate brokers? Okay. It's a good question. And we just, again, talked about this at the uh, John's Roundtable. It's going to come out this Sunday. So it's like a stock. So people used to use a stockbroker, and now they're going to go direct. Mostly it will, it will impact the younger people that don't want to go to a broker. So if I have a home, let's try and make it as simple as possible. If I have a home and I want to sell it, in the past, I would list my property with Empire State Properties as an example. And That's Empire right. State Properties do their best. They would list it for, let's say, 6% to 5%. And Empire State Properties would go into the market, list it. And then if I had to pay a co-broker, a buyer that brought me a client... I would have to pay that buyer the 3% of the six I was getting. What's happened is the laws as of January 1, a seller, the only way that a buyer can get paid is if the seller themselves hires that buyer's broker. So Mm. I, as the broker, will no longer have the ability to make the market myself and bring in another buyer. It's really just a matter of semantics because I'm going to list that same property for 3%, not 6 because that's really what I would have net anyway. So now I'm going to pay less. I'm going to get less commission. So again, to make it simple, I'm going to take Frank's apartment that was 6%. Now I'm going to get it for 3% because I don't have to pay a buyer. But if I really want to sell that property, I'm going to go and a buyer comes to me. I'm going to tell the seller, hey, you have to pay me because you were already on contract with me. Now you should pay this buyer's broker because they're the ones with the buyer. So it really just shifts the responsibility and the fiduciary from the seller to the buyer now has to be represented by the seller as well. The broker no longer has the power to hire a broker, another broker. So the only way that a buyer could get paid is if the seller hires two people. And I think this is going to affect the market because most people, it's, it's like a stock. So Mm. you used to go to a stockbroker, but now you can go direct. And I think a young person, they're going to try and save commission. They're going to go online and they're going to try and find their own properties. They're not going to want to hire a buyer. But again, there's, there's always exceptions. And I do think that if I am a buyer and I want to buy something, I'm going to, I may not want to pay a buyer's broker, but for the better properties, maybe it won't be listed. So you're going to have to you know, be creative. And I don't think it'll upset the industry that much. Uh, so it sounds like potentially it could be a win for consumers. It could be a win. But again, 
if I want to sell a property and I'm listing mm-hmm. it for a million dollars, if I have to pay another 3%, I'm happy to do that to get it sold. Right. So right. I just can't yeah, leave it up to the broker to do that. I will have to hire the buyer's broker. Uh, understood. Uh, we're talking with Suzanne Miller. Uh, she's with uh, Empire State Properties, also the host of the Miller Report podcast. Now, Suzanne, at Empire State, you guys do both sales and rentals, right? Correct. Correct. So uh, if you were weighing at this point as a consumer um, a move towards a rental or a purchase, what would you do? At this point, I mean, this is kind of the age old question, and I feel like the the correct answer might be different at different times in American economic history. At this point, if you're weighing renting or buying, what would you do? So it's again, I'm going to bring this back to the stock market. You, you buy a stock when everybody else is throwing up, right? You buy a stock when nobody yeah. else wants to. I think this could be an, an, and I'm saying this wholeheartedly. I think it could be a fantastic opportunity for somebody to get a really good deal because people right now are nervous. They're shaky. We're talking about a budget cut in New York. Mayor Adams was on the Miller Report last week. He talked about because of the migrants, we have to cut, cut, cut. We're cutting sanitation. We're cutting Board of Education. We're cutting. And people are concerned. Investors are concerned. So this would be the time if I saw a place for a million dollars, I'd make a low offer because I have to pay rent anyway. And there's there's a scarcity of inventory on the rental side. Mm. So you might as well, if you're going to pay, you might as well own something. So I think this would be an opportunity to enter the market and make low offers and try and stabilize myself in, in owning. That's what I would do. It's always better to own. I, I, I realize that, um, you know, probably residential is, um, you know, more your specialty than commercial, but I'm betting, you know, a lot more about commercial real estate than I do. And uh, one of the things that people have sort of been wondering on the commercial front since the pandemic is with more and more businesses allowing folks to work from home, what becomes of these massive office buildings that are either already built or in the planning stages? And a lot of folks, especially a couple of years ago when it looked like work from home was going to be a permanent thing, were saying that maybe this is uh, an opportunity to grab commercial real estate at a discounted deal. Given the new work from home culture, which more and more companies seem to be allowing, where do you see commercial real estate going forward, Suzanne? Uh, it's funny. I, I do have to give credit to a man by the name of Dale Schlather. He is a vice chairman in Cushman and Wakefield, and he helps me a lot. He gives me the market status on commercial a lot. So giving a shout out to you, Dale. He really does tell me what's going on in the market on the commercial side. And there are a lot of transactions going on right now, uh, particularly in the A buildings, Hudson Yards. Wherever you have a new building, you're getting record rents, $200 a foot and up on a record rate A building or a building where an investor has spent money to keep that building up, fresh, new elevators, light. And then you have the B buildings all along 3rd Avenue, some of them on 6th Avenue, a lot in the Fidei area. And those B buildings that people have not spent money on are going to see a bloodbath because people, hmm. they don't have to come to work. You had vacancy before COVID. People were, th- these buildings were not doing well the, before COVID and now coupled with people don't have to be in New York. They don't have to walk, they don't have to be in New York City. So you're going to have to invest in your building. Otherwise, it's going to keep selling till it's lower, lower, lower. And then someone will pick it up and we'll start all over again. 
I caught the uh, recent interview that you did with Mayor Adams, which I thought was really interesting, not just on the budget cut issue, but on a bunch of issues you guys touched upon. I also caught the interview a week or two before with former Governor Andrew Cuomo. It's now being reported that uh, Governor Cuomo is looking at running for mayor if uh, Mayor Adams' legal troubles get the better of him and he's either not able to run for re-election or he has to, uh, he has to resign before the end of his term. Did you get the impression that uh, that that would be something Governor Cuomo would look at a mayoral run? What does your gut tell you about Governor Cuomo's political future? I think Governor Cuomo is born a politician, and I think that he will any opportunity that comes to serve. I think he will. I do think that. I mean, I would be sad for me to see Mayor Adams leave. I think that he's doing his best given the situation. It would be I sad think, for the city because be that would be a the city. But I, I think that Governor Cuomo has an excellent shot and I would endorse him and I think that he'll win. Well, we're going to have to come back uh, if that comes to fruition, because we may have to have a little bit of a debate on uh, on that issue. But we'll save that for another day. Uh, you, I know you spoke with uh, another uh, former New York governor, George Pataki, recently. I, I know that uh, podcast episode's coming out next week. Give us a preview. What did Governor Pataki have to add? Oh, I asked Governor Pataki. I said, so how would you handle, because he really he led us through September 11th, and he really was the leader. And he was. I lived down there at the time, and I just remember hugging him and he embraced the city. And as a matter of fact, real estate prices went up by 20% six months after September 11th. There was a little dip for a nanosecond, then it went right back up. So I, I thank him for that. And I think he did a great job in uniting us. And I said, so how would you handle, I'm giving you an example, how would you handle the protests on both sides in these campuses saying death to Israel and death to America? And his answer was, I'd lock them up. I mean, he really, he said, We're gonna, we need more police. I would lower taxes to keep companies here. He was, he doesn't have any, he's not running for anything. So he really was being very candid and it was refreshing to see how he just cares about the city and he, there was no bars. He just, he just well, said I'm looking forward to hearing hear. that. Yeah, it was great. I will. I will. That's going to be posted Monday. Uh, just search the Miller Report. Hey, Suzanne, I've really enjoyed this. I hope we can do this again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Thanks for having me on your show. I do watch your show and I appreciate it. And I'm happy to come back anytime. Oh, I appreciate that. We're going to take you up on that. All Suzanne right. Miller, you have comments on any portion of our conversation. You can give me a call 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. I'm sure a lot of you right around this time are awakening from a tryptophan induced coma. We are here for you. We're going to be with you until, um, until the wee hours of the morning and until daybreak. This is the other side of midnight straight ahead. The other side of midnight. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano.
They put a parking lot on a piece of land Where the supermarket used to stand Before that they put up a bowling alley On the site that used to be the local pally That's where the big bands used to come and play My sister went there on a Saturday Come dancing All our boyfriends used to come and call Why not come dancing It's only natural The Kinks This is The Other Side of Midnight I am Frank Morano. You want to comment on anything we're talking about, you can do so at 800-848-9222. You want to know what kind of music we're playing on this show, join our Facebook group. Just go on to Facebook and search M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. That's uh, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. A couple of quick updates. My wife has gone to bed. She's uh, g- graciously allowed to uh, agreed to allow me to sleep for a couple hours after the show before we head to Pennsylvania. But uh, she and my son Carmine are asleep in our hotel room. I am in the lobby of our hotel doing this radio program. Uh, my brother-in-law Josh, though, has agreed to stick around. What are you doing today, uh, Josh, that you can be up till the wee hours of the morning? I'm working half a day today. Buddy. Are you? Yeah, oh, going in second half. First half, I'll be sleeping. Uh, <laughs> men, you want to come to uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania with us? We're going to go uh, uh, to I'm my cousin Joanne's. I'm sure you guys are going to have a great time. We do. We, 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 we do it up. We have a, we have a, we have a good time. Um, all right. Well, if, you're, if your schedule changes, let me know. It is interesting. We, um, you know, we're in this hotel now. It's a very nice hotel. We've stayed here before, and they've made uh, some improvements to it over the years. And um, I don't want to mention where we are because we don't need any of the people that may not like something that I say coming into the lobby and harassing the staff or, more important, harassing me like I'm a halal food vendor in Manhattan. But I will say we went into the room and there was a bug in the toilet. And I just flushed it. Didn't say anything. I wasn't going to say anything to my wife because I know how she is with bugs. Then she calls me while I'm in the bathroom, and she says, we need you to come kill a spider. There was a spider in the separate area of the room. I said, wait a minute, is, is this the same sp- uh, b- kind of bug that I, I killed before? And she said, what? We, we're living in a bug, we're in a bug-infested hotel. Now, we're not. I think, you know, even the best hotels have issues with bugs, but uh, she was not at all happy about that. That was an early, early stumble for us. I'll tell you what was a, a benefit. I was doing my thing here in the in the lobby, and um, the staff's very nice not to give me a hard time about anything. A lady came over, and she said, hey, you know, you really shouldn't be working on Thanksgiving. I said, all right, thank you. Well, um, And she is clearly trying to do something on her computer or whatever, and she's describing how she's got to get something in by midnight. Because she, she was an, uh, an, not older, but an older, not a child. And she was saying how she's going back to school and she's got to get this paperwork in by midnight. But she's terrified that her laptop is going to, you know, get out of battery. I said, I don't know what kind of laptop you have, but you can use my charger if you want. Sure enough, she has the same computer that I have. What are the chances of that? I mean, that is synchronicity if ever there was one. Same computer. This laptop charger never matches with what anybody has. And um, my son Carmine gave us a real hard time, did not want to go to sleep today. 
Hopefully he's asleep right now and for the rest of the night. I think it was just a situation where he was overtired. Denunciations coming up in a minute. And then we'll chat about Robin Williams. Josh O'Brien sticking around as well. We'll take your phone calls. Until next hour, keep asking questions.